The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We love you from the depth of our beings, from the bottom of our hearts. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for your presence over us. Lord, in every life present in this place today, and in every life joining us over the internet or that will listen to your word, we ask that you do that which eyes have not seen, do that which ears have not heard, do that which has not even begun to enter into the hearts of man. Lord, change our lives. Take us higher in you. And let the name of Jesus be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you. Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Today, we are in part nine of our series, Victory. And we will be looking at the principle of economy of forces or the principle of economy. Now, we did say that God will give us victory this year and beyond in Jesus' name. And for, for there to be victory, it implies that there will be conflict. And, in, and, and we explained that life itself is it's a battlefield. Life is, is, is full of warfare from the day you were born to the day you exit. And we explained that you are the general of your life. You you call the shots. If there's going to be victory, or if there's going to be um, a loss, you, it, it will depend on you. You are the general of your life. I know Jesus is general of our lives, but you know, individually we are the generals of our lives. We are not the nation, not the government, not the politicians. The earlier you realize that, the better for you and for your children yet unborn. That the prosperity of your soul and of your destiny and of your generation is up to you. It's up to you. Yes, of course, we should vote. Yes, of course, the government should provide an environment. Yes, 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 yes. But you see, the prosperity of your soul and of your life is in your hands. <laughs> it's in your hands. You can have the best government in the world. In the best countries, I don't want to mention countries, countries that we consider the best countries, they are paupers. I'm sure you are aware. They are people that will not even become all that God has created them to be. So what's the problem? The issue is that until the individual takes responsibility for his destiny, nothing happens. Nothing. For your home. Whose job is it 
to make your wife happy and to love your wife. Whose job is it? Excuse me. Is it the government's job? Whose job is it exactly to love your wife? Whose job is it exactly? <laughs> Whose job is it to make sure your husband is fulfilled? Excuse me, whose job is it? Whose job is it to ensure that you prosper spiritually? You prosper in your souls. You prosper financially. Whose job is it? It's your job. The day you take responsibility for it, that's the beginning of your progress. Praise the name of the Lord. So, so we are looking at the different strategies and principles that have been deployed in ancient war that has been deployed by outstanding war generals and these principles are embedded in the word of God. They are right there in the word of God. So if we as children of God, if we can lay hold on this principle and we can deploy them, victory is certain. And today, like we said, we are looking at the principle of what? Economy. Our text is Luke chapter 14, verse 28 to 32. Luke 14, 28 to 32. This is Jesus speaking. It says, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who will begin to construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Verse 31, or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. Verse 32. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss times of peace while the enemy is still far away. Jesus, in this passage of scripture, is teaching us the principle of economy. Count the costs. Do the math. Sit down. And check. Am I able to build? Am I able to launch this attack? Am I able? Should I fight this battle? Unfortunately, a lot of people are fighting battles they should not be fighting. You don't have enough resources to fight every battle that comes your way. Some battles you avoid. 
Some battles you avoid. Why? Because you have common sense. Praise the Lord. It's called the principle of economy. In fact, there's a, there's a world general in, in history, and like, as we are aware, we, we cite a lot of historical cases, and, and, and we, we go from there, and we show correlation in scripture. Um, um, there's a U.S. general called um, General George Pat, Patton, P-A-T-T-O-N, he made a profound statement as regards economy. He says, the guy says, every battle we fight will result in a gain for us or we will not fight. So in other words, we, we don't engage in battles we are not sure of the outcome. Praise the name of the Lord. As a child of God, interestingly, you know, one of the key reasons why you should commit your life to Christ is because the outcome has been predetermined. In fact, it is a very dangerous thing to live without Jesus. In Christ, the outcome has been predetermined. So we can take on the challenges, being confident that the outcomes have been what? Predetermined. And in our everyday life, we will be confronted with battles. We will be confronted with, with choices to go to war or not to go to war. And you can apply that across board. In your relationships, you will be confronted with, with, with the option to battle or not to battle. The principle of economy is telling you and I, don't fight every battle. Check. Should I be fighting this battle or not? There's a historical battle called the Battle of Asclum. It, it, the Battle of Asclum was between the Greek and the Romans. It was fought in 279 BC. The Greek, the king of the Greek, Pyrrhus, was very adamant to take on the Romans. And he deployed a lot of resources against the Romans. And he actually won the initial battle. But when he won the initial battle, he made this, I mean, popular statement. You may have, might have heard it before. He said, alas, one more victory and we are lost. In other words, the cost of winning that battle was so much that they couldn't even afford to fight another battle. And guess what happened? The Romans came again. And Greek was, Greece was devastated. So it is not every victory that is worth your while. In fact, some victories are defeats in disguise. And, 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 and what is called the, the, the Pyrrhic principle, I mean, evolved from this, you must have had this Pyrrhic principle in business and leadership and all that. The, the, the Pyrrhic principle from this guy, um, Pyrrhus guy, just says that 
the Pyrrhic the victory is a victory that inflicts such a devastating blow on the victor that it's tantamount to defeat. The Pyrrhic victory is a victory that inflicts such a devastating blow on the victors that it's tantamount to defeat. Yes, you've won the argument, but you have lost the relationship. Yes, you've shown your wife how she's a fool and how you are the genius of the world. But you've crushed her so much that you've lost the relationship. Now the question is, is, is the relationship and the victory, which one is more important? Such a victory is a pyrrhic victory because you, 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 your, your, your marriage will be under pressure. The pyrrhic victory. You've succeeded in squeezing money out of your husband. You squeeze him, even the one that he doesn't have. You took him upside down. You shook him. All the, all the coins came out, right? And you collected all the money, yeah? You got the victory, yeah? But the man doesn't trust you again. Looks at you and shakes his head. That's a pirate victory. You may sit down there feeling, oh yeah, I know how to squeeze this guy. But you actually lost the relationship. And you can apply that to your children. What, you, you think you have victory? To, to your colleagues at work, to your boss, you actually think you, you've gotten victory? Think again. Some victories deals more devastating blows to the victors. So, is this argument really important for me to win and lose my wife? Is this money really important for me to get and lose the trust of my husband? Is, is, is this issue so important that I will lose the bigger things of life? Is it worth buying the new bag and sleeping with somebody I'm not supposed to sleep with? Is that victory? The bag is the trophy of fornication and adultery. Is that the victory? What about the blow it has dealt to your soul? Can you recover? The principle of economy puts these questions at our doorsteps. So the principle of economy simply states that never spend more men and resources than is necessary to achieve an objective. So you have an objective. The principle of, of, of economy says never spend more men and resources than is necessary to achieve an objective. We have an objective as a family. Never spend more men and resources than necessary. So great leaders conserve resources. Great leaders, they are willing to pass on an opportunity if they cannot justify exploiting it. You know, last week we looked at the principle of exploitation. It's not every opportunity you exploit. 
Similarly, the same way is every battle you fight, it's not every opportunity you exploit. Great leaders have a way of looking at an opportunity and deciding they want to pass on. They know they want to fight. It's life, present, life doesn't only present us with battles, life presents us with opportunities. And it's not every opportunity you take. Oh, I have this opportunity to do this business. Has God called you to do it? Oh, but it's an opportunity, but it's, it's very juicy. It's an opportunity. Life teaches us. It's not every opportunity. And I can give you several examples. It's not every opportunity you take. Let me give you one. Every lady that comes to puberty has a menstrual cycle every month, approximately every month. And that is an opportunity to have a child. The woman that says, I must seize all my opportunities to have a child. What will happen? <laughs> you will kill yourself. You will kill yourself, literally. But God keeps bringing it every month just to teach us that it is not every opportunity that you should take. Great leaders know how to look at an opportunity and immediately determine whether they're going to take it or not. Why? Because, you know, critical resources are scarce. Critical resources are scarce. So if you take an opportunity, you are going to miss another opportunity. And you don't have all the resources to take all the opportunities. So, in fact, it's the first principle of economics. I know there are some economic gurus in this place, you know, and, you know, and all that. It's the first principle of economics. is that critical resources are scarce. Time is scarce. No matter how much you fast and pray, you will not have more than 24 hours in a day. Time is scarce. Talent is scarce. Money is scarce. It's limited. Gold is limited. God has determined the amount of gold that is on, on, the, on the earth. I'm not sure gold reproduces. Even if they do, the raw materials that reproduce them is limited. Even if it's sand that becomes gold, sand is limited. Praise the name of the Lord. So, you must always conserve and economize. Some people can abuse you and call you Ijebu. You know, Ijebu, those are the economists of Africa. <laughs> they should be the traditional Ijebus. They are very stingy. No, 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 no. They are very economical. <laughs> they never pay more than necessary. Never. Have you seen an Ijebu woman? I grew up with Ijebu women. My grandmother was an Ijebu woman. She never pays more than necessary. In fact, I think she always pays less than necessary. One of the things I used to hate when, I was, when we were growing up was to follow mama to the market. Ah! She would price the same thing in this shop. Uh, you know, that means that uh, you can, something is threatening her. I says, you mean you can't take 10 naira? She prizes and squeezes and squeezes. The guy agrees to eight naira. He says, eh, she's not going to buy. I'm like, from 20 to buy this thing. Then she goes to the next shop. I says, eh, how much? The same thing. And the guy says, 15 naira. I say, ah, ah, ah. That guy has agreed five naira. And I'm like, mama, 
The guy said, eight naira, not five naira. Squeeze her, squeeze her, squeeze her, squeeze. The guy agrees. She you will buy. She will go. She always, I'm not, I don't, I'm not kidding you. She always checks at least four stores. Then, many times, she goes back to the first store and says, hey, hey, my customer. Because, so how much is this thing? <laughs> and there I am. I am the one that's carrying the bag. I am the one, you know, I'm like, oh my goodness, this woman. So my mom wants to go to the market. I'm out of the door. I don't want to go. But in that process, she was teaching me an invaluable lesson that you have to economize your resources. The fact that you have money doesn't mean you should spend it. Some of us, the only thing we know how to use money for is to spend. And if that is the case, you're in trouble. You need to go and listen to, I can't even begin to go into it, clear thinking, thinking clearly about your finances. I mean, it will just sort you out totally. God wants you to economize. There's a, there was a war that happened, I mean, this one, I mean, a lot of us know, in 1991, called Operation Desert Storm. It's also known as the Gulf War, right? When Saddam Hussein, um, the late Saddam Hussein, came out and, and bragged and says, this is going to be the mother of all wars. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that statement. It turned out to what they call the mother of all defeats. <laughs> the U.S. bombarded Iraq, reduced it to almost nothing. They're sending their ground troops economically, or allied forces actually, but led by the U.S., economically. By the time the war was over, the allied forces had lost only 200 soldiers. Only compared to 50,000 or more that Iraq lost in such a short time. That's the principle of economy at its best. At its best. Look for opportunities to make your naira go further. Why? Because being economical gives you options. It gives you options. And we learned in the principle of security that you are only as free as the options that you have. You are only as free as the options that you have. Remember that. Principle of security. You are only as free as the options that you have. There's, there's a, there was a man that was, he started up as a newspaper boy and he became a billionaire in dollars. And he has this to say. I mean, when somebody talks like that, you should listen. I mean, the guy started by throwing newspapers up and down. He, he said, his name is Clement Stone. You can Google him. He says, a part of all you earn is yours to keep. And if you cannot save money, now listen to what he said. I'm not even sure he's saved. He says, the seeds of greatness are not in you. I mean, the first time I read it, shook me to my core. If you cannot save money, the, the guy says, okay, I, I know you're saying, okay, but pastor, Jesus says that we should stop our treasures in heaven. 
where moth cannot um, and, 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 and robbers cannot get to. I know. I know. I know you stop your treasures in heaven by giving, giving to the poor, giving to God's work and all that. I understand. But you see, you cannot give what you don't have. If you've not learned how to save, how would you have to give? If God wanted you to take care of all the hungry people in Nigeria, for instance, and you have not been saving, how would you have to give? You wouldn't have to give. When God calls for a seed like he did to the Jews, if you don't have saved, you won't have to give. Proverbs 15.6 says, There is treasure in the house of the godly. What do you find in the house of the godly? Treasures. <laughs> so one of the signs of righteousness is being able to store treasure. Believe it. It's in the Bible. Proverbs 21, 20. The word of God says, the wise store up treasure and oil, but the fool does what? Spend whatever they get. Economize. Look at your neighbor. Say economize. Psalm 112 verse 3. Psalm 112 verse 3 says, wealth and riches are in the houses of the righteous and their righteousness endures forever. Forever. You know, sometimes when we look at our homes and, and we ask wealth and riches, I'm not talking about wealth and riches, oh, I have designer chandelier, you know, and all that stuff. <laughs> okay, that's a representation, but it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. If there was no income, if you had no income for the next six months, can you survive? For the next one year, can you survive? Think about that. If you are struggling with that, listen to that teaching. Thinking clearly about your finances, it will save you from devastation <laughs> financially. It will. And in economics, there are four key concepts. Of course, the great economists would know much more than these four. But these four key concepts are pivotal. And they, they reveal the human nature. They, they show you and I how we make choices. And they show us, if we are wise, how to relate with the people in our lives. Why? Because in how we relate with the people in our lives determine how far we go. Our relationships determine our height. I'm sure you know that. I've talked about that several times. So in economics, there are four concepts. And primary basic concepts. And to understand this concept, I'm going to bring it down to us laymen. I'm not an economist. I'm, I'm, I'm a software person. But I read economics, government, politics. I read about civil disobedience, about all sorts of things. I can plan civil disobedience. I'm joking. I can't. But God has not called me to that. Anyway. What did I say? 
core concept, core basic concept in economics. Now, to bring out this concept, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I mean, and I'll take you through that story, and you will see this concept jump out at you. Imagine you are being offered a job. Two offers. One offer is for five million naira per annum, and the other offer is for fifty million naira per annum. Which will you choose? All things being equal, <laughs> like the economists say, all things being equal, meaning property is not chasing you. They are not manipulating you from home, you from the village. You know, all things being equal, which would you choose? <laughs> I know that's not a lot of money for a lot of people. It's okay. But just follow this story, this illustration. You will choose 50 million. From time immemorial, all things being equal, Everyone chooses 50 million. What does that tell you? People prefer plenty to scarcity. That's the first thing. That's the first concept. The first concept is people prefer more to less. People prefer more to less. It's not bad. It's not bad to prefer more to less. It's not bad. It's not bad. So now, follow me. People prefer more to less. You have 50 million of offer. You have 5 million offer. Everybody, even the spiritual people, everybody will almost without thinking choose more over less. Now, the second thing is, if they say to you, you've chosen 50 million a year, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me, you are going to be paid, you have an option. They say to you, should we pay you at the beginning of the year all the 50 million in lump sum or should we, should we pay you at the end of the year, after you are finished working, which will you choose? All things be the core. <laughs> you choose beginning of the year. Unanimously, from tiny memorial, man always prefers sooner rather than later. That's the second concept of economics. The nature of man always prefers what? 
sooner rather than later. It's not that it's bad. That's just how we are. What is that thing? You want it now. Husband now. Wife now. Money now. Breakthrough now. Everything now. Now, now. Praise the Lord. So the first concept is people prefer more to less. The second concept is what? People prefer sooner than later. Now imagine this 50 million is now available in two organizations. One organization, you need to work hard. Get there at 6 a.m., go at 9 p.m., you are tired when you get home. And the other organization, it's easy peasy. You come in at 9, you close at 4.30, in between you have lunch. Which will you choose? From time immemorial, people don't only prefer more to less. Sooner than later, people prefer easier to more difficult. That is how we are. You need to understand this about human nature. That is how we are. People prefer more to less. People prefer sooner than later. People prefer easier to more difficult. And the fourth concept. These two organizations that are before you, they are both offering 50 million per annum. They are going to, going to pay you at the beginning of the year. And they are both easy. Same job. But one of the company is a huge organization. Their cash flow reserves is amazing. They, 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 they have so much money. And the other organization, <laughs> you go there, they, they, they can barely buy ACs. But they have offered you, you have it in writing. They can, their, their office is hot. They are struggling to even pay their rent. That other organization owns their property. And they are both offering you the same. Which would you choose? You will choose the one that is more certain. So people don't only prefer more to less. Sooner than later. Easier than difficult. People prefer certainty to a certainty. That is how we are wired. Now, if you are dealing with people. As long as you are on earth, you are going to be dealing with people. <laughs> what is able to give you the greatest joy in life is people. What is able to cause you the greatest pain in life is people. What is going to open the door for you to go to your next level is people. What can stand on the door and try to frustrate your life is what? And everyone in your life, everyone in your relationship with Everyone, your husband, your wife, your child, 
your boss, your customer, your everybody. They want what? More for? Sooner than? They want? They want? If you understand that, you'll be a master of leading people. If you understand that, you'll be a master of dealing with people. And I can break it down. What does your husband want? He prefers it more than less. I'm, going to, I'm not going to tell you what it is. He prefers it sooner than later. He wants it easier than when you make life difficult for him before he gets it. Men, true or false? And he wants it certainly. <laughs> Rather than being uncertain. Whether headache will show up. Or I can't pound the arm if it's food. Whatever it is. It's the same thing with men, with women. What does your wife want? Think about it. What, what do they want? They want it more than less. If it's money, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> they want it what? More than less. Number two, they want it what? Sooner than later. You know, they like Suru Larry, but they prefer what? <laughs> Suru Larry means patience has virtue. Patience is profitable. Well, no, means God has done the breakthrough. <laughs> I'm talking about natural, natural. Now, I know some of you are very spiritual. I know, I know, I know, I know. They prefer, number three, easier than difficult. They prefer certainty than uncertainty. And God wants you and I to use this to our, well, understanding and relationship with people. Praise the Lord. It's the basics of economy. And economics is the basics. Of course, there are others. You know, the economists tell us, oh, there are other building blocks. Yes, I know. But for a layman, it is what? The basics. But unfortunately, these natural economic affinities of human beings creates what we call destiny destroyers. I will explain. This natural affinity creates destiny destroyer, preferring more over less creates greed. Nothing destroys destinies faster than greed. Okay, the other three too. They are all competing on the fastest. Wanting more than, than less creates greed. Greed is a destiny destroyer. What's the second thing? 
Come on, tell me. Sooner than later, choosing sooner rather than later, rather than delayed gratification, creates impatience. Impatience is a destiny destroyer. Wanting things sooner than rather than later creates impatience. Impatience is a destiny destroyer. It is. Wanting things to be, to be um, easier than more difficult creates laziness. Creates laziness. Laziness is a destiny destroyer. Wow. And finally, the fourth one. Preferring certainty. Okay, let me pause so that you can catch up with our notes. Um, those of us that are writing, maybe we'll begin to create notes for Sundays, uh, weekend experiences also. You know, maybe. Uh, it's a lot of work. Preferring work or to be easier rather than difficult can lead to laziness. And number four, choosing certainty over uncertainty feeds risk aversion. Feeds risk aversion. Cripples our ability to, to take risks. And that is the destiny destroyer. Because every destiny will require you to take a step of faith and several steps of faith. So for you to have victory and fulfill your destiny, you will have victory in Jesus' name. Say amen, say amen, say amen. You will fulfill your destinies in Jesus' name. You need to turn these destroyers to accelerators. You need to have destiny accelerators. So in place of greed, you should... Because you're a child of God, and you know this secret, replace greed with generosity. So, generosity in place of greed accelerates your destiny. Generosity accelerates your destiny. Proverbs 11, 24 says, one person gives freely. Yet he what? He gains even more. You see, people think, oh, when I'm old, when I gather all I can. No, 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 no. God is saying, one person gives freely and gives even more. Another person withholds unduly. There's an unduly way of withholding. But but comes to what? To poverty. Greed will decelerate your destiny. Generosity will accelerate your destiny. Destiny. The NLT translation says, give freely and become wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Look around you. There are people you can be generous to. Give freely and become what? Wealthy. So, we replace greed with generosity. Number two, we replace impatience with patience. Patience in place of impatience. Why? Patience is a powerful destiny accelerator. On the contrary, you know, we think when you're patient, oh, you're losing time. Oh, you know, oh, things are going, no, 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 no. The patience. One of the most powerful people are the patient people on earth. 
They are patient. They are not in a hurry. They are patient. Things are moving. People are talking. People are saying all sorts of things. They are patient. They are patient. There's an English adage that says the patient dog is the fattest bone. They are patient. Hebrews 6.12 says, so that you, Hebrews 6.12, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. To inherit promises of God, which you will, you need patience to enter into your destiny in God. You need patience. Use patience. You need to be patient. You have prayed, you have fasted. You need to be patient. You need to be patient. Patience is a f- force of destiny. It is. Impatience destroys destinies very, very quickly. Impatience can reduce someone that has a lot to someone that has zero. Impatient, you want to invest here. You want to invest here. You're impatient. Relax. Calm down. What's God saying? What's God saying? Generosity in place of greed. Patience in place of impatience. Diligence in place of laziness. Diligence accelerates your destiny. Diligence in place of laziness. Our major challenge as human beings is because we get satisfied too easily. We get satisfied too easily. God promotes you to that level, to that job, to that business, takes your business to that height. And, you know, you, it's, a, it's an height that you think, oh, it's a big one. But unfortunately, we think we have arrived. Let me tell you something. The truth of the word of God. As long as there's breath in your nostrils, as long as you can still breathe, you have not arrived. If the day you arrive, your assignment is done and they will take you to heaven. Oh, but pastor, I, I have all the money in the world. You have not arrived. There are still resources in mass. People are going to Jupiter. People are going to space these days. Haven't you noticed? I have friends, not that I know personally, but I follow them. They, they are going to space. This guy, he joined NASA because he wanted to go to space. To space. And NASA did, didn't... Um, Take him on. In fact, they were not taking people to space like that. And he created his own company. And today he's taking people to space. Space experience. People are going to space. You are talking about Earth. People are colonizing Mars. We haven't even started. Praise the Lord. We get satisfied easily. I'm praying that God will give you a holy dissatisfaction. Because until you are dissatisfied, you cannot make progress. Until you are dissatisfied with where you are. Proverbs 6.6 says, take a lesson from ants, you lazy bones. That's very harsh, Lord. But it's in the Bible. Learn from their ways and become wise. A little sleep, a little slumber. That's in verse 10. A little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce 
like a bandit. Scarcity will attack like an armed robber. Don't fold your hands. Don't. I'm not saying you shouldn't rest. Rest. But for me, you know, if you, if you, if you are like me, a lot of you are like me, I mean, 24 hours appear not to be enough these days. Have you noticed? So much to do. So much ground to take. So much. And finally, faith in place of risk aversion. God wants us to fuel our faith, the ability to step into the unknown, the ability to see the invisible, hear the inaudible, and do the impossible. It requires faith. It requires taking steps that everybody around you will think you are crazy. But you know that is what God has put in your gut, and you move. The more you are able to do that, the more your destinies will be accelerated as in doing that in the right direction. Why? Because there can be no progress without taking risk-taking. There can be no progress without risk-taking. None. Hebrews 11, 6, even with God, spiritually, you cannot even make progress spiritually without taking risk. You can't make progress. Hebrews 11, 6 says, and it is impossible to please uh, God without faith. Impossible. Why? Because anyone who comes, who wants to come to God must what? Believe that God exists and that he rewards those that sincerely seek him. You can't even draw close to God. God cannot become real to you if you don't have faith. If you don't take risks based on the word of God. If you don't have faith. And the more you draw closer to God, the more God owns you, the more God can economize you, the more God can manage you. Just write that down. I read it on Wednesday. Because I have to, I have to draw the curtain now. If you look at the scripture or the text that we read, if you back up to verse 25 and you extend to verse 33, you will see what Jesus was saying. Even though we, 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 we can take the, the, the lesson and apply it to economy, but he was talking deeper things. He was talking about spiritual economy. He was talking about the lives of the people. Verse 25, he says, the large crowd was following him, following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple... If you want me to own you, if you want me to economize you, if you want me to be in charge of you, if you want to be my resource, you must what? Hate everyone in comparison to me. Wow. Your father, in case you don't know who everyone is, you know Jesus is just amazing. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life, are bad. People think to become a Christian.
Christian is just a fad. No, 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 no. It will change your life. He says, otherwise, you cannot even be my disciple. You cannot. If you don't hate, compared to me, that is, I'm not saying you go and hate everybody, but if you were to put your husband side by side with me, if you can't choose me over your husband, you can't be my disciple. That's what Jesus is saying. If you can't choose me over your wife, you can't be my disciple. If you can't choose me over your children, you cannot be my disciple. If you cannot choose me over your brothers and your sisters, you cannot be my disciple. If you cannot choose me even over yourself, He said, you can't be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin. Don't even start this thinking. I want to follow Jesus. Don't begin until you count the cost. Wow. For who will begin construction? of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money and then everyone will laugh at you. They would say, there's the person that just quickly followed Jesus but could not follow him completely. That's paraphrasing. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down and with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far off. So you cannot become my disciples without giving up a few things. Without giving up the crucial things without giving up the pivotal things of life. No. It says without giving up everything. Wow. Everything. Everything. Today's Palm Sunday. Jesus rode into Jerusalem. He said to the disciples, go and ask the guy that tied the donkey that the master has need of it. As he rode, the people took everything, took off their clothes, laid it down. And he shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Do you want your destiny accelerated? Generosity over greed. Patience over impatience. Diligence over laziness. Faith over risk aversion. Jesus is saying everything. Let's bow our hearts. Let's bow our heads. I want us to think about these words. Everything Everything Lord you are Everything to me Everything Everything Lord you 
Jesus' mighty name, we are afraid. 